This is the Steelers Standard on Steelers Nation Radio and Podcast on Steelers.com. Well, the defense certainly carried the day at Buffalo, but you're not going to get the job done putting up a goose egg. So the offense certainly gets some credit in my mind, especially for that second half bounce back performance. But offensive was the word I would use to describe them in that first half. I was offended. I was very offended by that offense. Listen, when it was 10 nothing at the end of the first half, I was sitting in the Steelers studio running the halftime show thinking, I'm not even mad that the Bills just scored because giving up 10 points to that offense in a half of football is dominating. But the Steelers' offense only having 54 total yards. I mean, I, I, I'll admit it, Jacob. I thought to myself, there's no way they're going to come back in this game because there's Despite just Despite no, the play of the defense. Because there's just no chance that this offense is going to put up the board. But, boy, am I glad I was wrong. I am Tom Opperman. Jacob Recht is that other voice you heard, and this is another edition of the Steelers' Standard. Uh, it's just a big deal that they were able to bounce back and make those second half adjustments. Ben Roethlisberger did say before the game, hey, expect, you know, a little bit of a slow start as we break in this Matt Canada offense and kind of get our feet wet all together as a unit. And we really should have listened to our, our captain number seven more when he said that, because I don't think truer words could have been spoken. I mean, just an abysmal performance in the first half. Like I said, a 54 total yard performance is like what an FCS team does when they go into Bama's house on week one of college football. Like that just never happens. It's almost impossible to have that little yardage in a half of football, especially if you're an NFL team. Running the ball was a problem early on, too. They only averaged, I believe, 2.4 yards per rush in that first half. Woke up in the second half, though. They averaged 5.5 yards per rush in the second half. So, And I think yards per play jumped up to about 7 yards per play as opposed to 3 in that first half. So they definitely found their gear in that second half of football. And even though they only put up uh, 16 points as a unit offensively in that half, that's pretty damn good for one half of football. They're on pace to score 32 if you extrapolate that out for a full 60 <laughs> minutes. So, I mean, that's a really, really strong bounce-back performance from the offensive side of things. A really strong bounce-back performance and completely unexpected, too. Because yeah, like there I were said, no, I thought it was over. I thought they There were, were no signs of life from that offense. There were no signs that, yes, they started out shaky, but as, this, as the first half kind of came to an end, they were showing signs of life. They were showing signs of, okay, well, they're, they're starting to move the ball down the field. Let's see if they can continue that into the second half. So I want to know what Matt Canada and Mike Tomlin said in, in their little locker room meetings with Ben and with the other guys that were privy to those conversations because whatever they did, whatever adjustments they made during halftime clearly worked because it was, as we said in the earlier today, it was night and day the offense from the first half to the second half. Well, one thing I think we got a little clue into is who's Ben's favorite target. Mm -hmm. uh, Deontay Johnson was getting fed that ball constantly throughout this game. And I don't blame the Steelers for doing that. He makes things happen when he is in a phone booth and he can just dodge raindrops and get an extra six yards when you think the play is going to be dead. Uh, he had five catches that led the team in catches, but he only had 36 yards, uh, 7.2 average. Ten targets that also led the team. So I think it's pretty clear who Ben's Wolvie is. Uh, he loves throwing those quick shots to Deontay Johnson and letting Deontay make a play. Big thing from Deontay, the hands, baby. The hands were there. And I'm not just talking about the bobble in the end zone for the touchdown. There was a screen pass that he took for about six or seven yards when the Steelers were starting the second half drive. He had to reach way in front of him to snag that ball. 
he was able to catch it and then have his momentum carry him forward for that nice gain. So big question mark heading into the year, obviously, was the hands of Deontay Johnson. He suffered from a case of the drops last year, but... Case of the yips. I mean, my God, you wanted him to just have ball security. You didn't want him to go out there and make some dazzling toe drag swag kind of plays, but that's what he did, and and that's instilling a lot of confidence in me. It's mm-hmm. not only did he catch all of his – he didn't catch all of his targets, but not only did he catch pretty much all of the catchable balls he had, but he made a couple of phenomenal catches as well. He did, and how great – how – what is it called? Poetic justice that we saw com- considering that last year – the the issues of dropping the ball really came to a head against Buffalo when in the first offensive series for Pittsburgh, he had a drop and then an incorrectly ran route, and that put him right on the sidelines. Mike Tomlin said, we're going we're gonna to give you some time to, to collect yourself in the head because something's not right. And going into that game, we, we had noticed that the, the drops were becoming a problem, and then to start that game, we thought he was going to have made the adjustment that didn't happen. So to come out here... Not only in week one, but against Buffalo, the team of which you struggled mightily, probably most certainly, and considering it was on the national stage, it was Sunday Night Football, your problems really were were known across the entire league. To have this kind of day against this team in week one, I think you said it's spot on, Tom. It's just going to have this effect on him that I think could last in the whole season to really not only be Ben's whoopee, Ben's go-to guy, but kind of establish himself as one of the better receivers in the league. I think so, too. Uh, I mean, everybody in the studio yesterday looked at each other on that touchdown and said A.B. I mean, that's that was vintage A.B. with that toe-drag swag, getting that left foot in and dragging it after he bo- secured the ball that he was bobbling. I mean, just a phenomenal play from him. Don't want Steelers Nation to think, oh, that's it. He's A.B. now. He can't do no wrong because there's still going to be some growing pains with the young man. He did run a wrong route in this game, and Ben thankfully just threw the ball in the dirt out of bounds and no defender was there. But you can't keep toying with that because eventually you run the wrong route. The ball is going to be put right in the defender's breadbasket. But he was able to bounce back from that. Wasn't really any problem beyond that, just one play. And like I said, he, he caught almost anything that was catchable his way uh maybe one that he could have had that he didn't that i'll give him a pass on because it wasn't exactly like it was right in his chest and he just dropped it mm. but yeah i mean i'm I'm extremely excited to see what number 18 can do this year if healthy and in this matt canada offense but a big thing that didn't actually have to play out but was on its way to play out you almost saw the exact reason why you keep james washington and why you don't trade him when he supposedly demanded a trade this offseason. Deontay Johnson goes down. It looks bad at first. It He's looks down really for a bad. while. And we're all collectively holding our breath. And once he gets off the field, that the first thought in my mind was, that's why you don't trade James Washington. And look. There was thank- a second time, too, when Chase Claypool went down. Yeah, that's a great point. And thank God that Deontay Johnson was able to come back. And then Chase Claypool wasn't seriously injured on that play either. But it's going to happen this year. I hate to say it, but one of those guys is going to go down. Maybe it is James Washington that ends up going down, but one of the big four is going to go down, and that's why you keep that big four intact for this one season because with Deontay out, yeah, I was upset because I was like, if he can't go, you know, he's been a really big contributor so far early in this game. Really one of the only players that have been making plays offensively at that point, but still there was a little bit of a calm about me because I knew that, you know, James Washington can plug in and they still have three very good wide receivers out there. So 
You almost saw it come to fruition there. It didn't have to quite yet, but just keep an eye on that throughout the year that it's very savvy to keep a guy like James Washington, even if he is a little disgruntled right now. Yeah, and I, I hope it's not too bad because you want as many options as you can ask for for Ben. We know that on the best day with everyone available, he does have seven guys. He can throw the ball to four receivers, two tight ends, and, and the running back and Najee Harris. But you take away one of those guys, and your offense, even though you have six other people you can throw the ball to, it's still not at its peak level of potential. You, I mean, that's the same, the same goes for any NFL team on either side of the ball. But especially the Steelers, who have so many options that it keeps the defense guessing. You take away one of those guys, and the offense just becomes slightly more predictable. Chase Claypool and Juju Smith-Schuster both had good games as well. Man, Juju, he is such a stealer on the field and just not a stealer off the field. It's so, it's kind it's of so bizarre. bizarre, but he lays the boom when he runs with that football, and I love him. Like Yesterday, there was a couple plays, especially the one where he got a first down on. It was a 24-yard play, and oh he broke God. two tackles on the way. He just truck-sticked it's two punishing. different guys right after the other. It's terrible. If I was in defensive backfield meeting rooms all week and we were playing the Steelers and I was kind of seeing as the week progressed that I was going to be the one that had to take on Juju a lot, I would be icing myself down already. I have a little pre-ice bath before the game. Your body is going to be a nightmare come Monday morning because he is just such a punishing player. And I said Deontay's clearly Ben's will be uh, when it's a big down, when it's third and, and significant, when you need to pick up a conversion, he's looking to Juju more times than not. I think he's probably got the shortest hands on the team. And like we said, he's just so physical and such a mismatch for some of these defensive backs that even if you have good coverage on him, he can outmuscle you and kind of put his body in a great position to make a catch and make a play. So I was very pleased with how Juju played and, Chase, like I said, he didn't really have much as far as, you know, targets and receptions are concerned, but he had the catch of the game, maybe the catch of his career uh, when the Steelers were driving to score their first mm -hmm. points of the game. And he had another huge catch on a third down conversion on that last drive the Steelers had to try to ice it with a field goal from Boswell. So very timely, very big catches from Mr. Chase Claypool in this one. Absolutely. It, it just... The effort he made on that catch, Tom, I think kind of gets lost in the fray because— It was on Tredavious White, too. Like, it wasn't on some slouch guy that caught, got caught out in right. single coverage. Like the, the touchdown by Deontay was a big play, and then the special teams play, I think, is the most talked-about play of this game. But on, as you said, on on their route, and it, I think that drive also only entered a field goal, not a touchdown. The Chase Claypool one did. That was their first points of the game. So that's kind of why I think it gets lost, especially as you said, it's the first it was the first point scored by the Steelers. So it, things were still early. You know, it didn't seem that the Steelers were really gonna do much in that game. Yes, that was a great play by him. But, but it was finally you weren't the, you was, weren't sure where the narrative was going. But it was finally that big play though. They right, finally had you that finally downfield got it. play, yeah. and, and that was something you didn't see at all. I mean, every throw you saw by Ben was—I wouldn't even call it intermediate. I just think it was about Short. one to two, three yards maximum. I, I really wasn't seeing him even air out the ball, even on a incompletion. That Chase Claypool play, the 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 ball thrown, and then the effort by Claypool to high point that ball. I mean, I remember Week One last year against the Giants on the road. He made. 
an equally great catch, but we all thought that was going to be the best catch of his career because of the effort he did to to turn around, high point, get both feet in. He did the exact same thing, but did it even better yesterday, again, in week one. Chase Claypool loves to make these big splash plays in the first game of the season, both years of his NFL career. It's awesome to see, and... I I just feel kind of bad because I think it was the best catch of the day, even though Deontay's was was impressive. I think Claypool's effort was really phenomenal, and it just gets lost in the fray because there were so many other great plays by this offense in the second half alone. Offensive line was the biggest question mark for the Pittsburgh Steelers heading into not just the offensive side of the ball, but as a whole for the 2021 season. And we got their first look of that offensive unit. Um, Not exactly who they expected to be the starters. Zach Banner, of course, being injured. So you had Dan Moore sliding on the left side and Chooks bumped back down to the right side. But not impressed with the running blocking. Uh, I thought that that was a lot to be left desired. I thought they were getting blown off the ball a lot and really could have done a much better job there. Pass blocking was fine, though, and it might have been a combination of Ben Roethlisberger getting rid of the ball very quickly, so, you know, weren't really needing to hold their blocks for too, too long, but Ben was only sacked twice and I think only hit one more or two more times than that, so as far as the pass protection is concerned, it was almost just as good as it was last year. Again, could be a little bit of a double-sided, double-edged sword there. You know, yeah, pass pro was solid, but it only had to be solid for about two and a half, two seconds even for Ben Roethlisberger because he's getting that ball out so fast. But I think the one thing that we all wish we saw a little bit better of was that Adrian Clem style, get off the ball, put some defenders in the dirt, run downhill, get some big blocks, you know, run blocking, road grader kind of stuff. You didn't see that. The Bills' defensive line was able to control the line of scrimmage for for running downs. Definitely. And I was going to say, while you were talking about the two sacks, one of them should not have been a sack. Uh, Mm -hmm. He was being pressured. He was being thrown around, but he got the ball out. He got the ball out. I don't know why they called it forward progress. They called him down, yeah. I don't get that at all. I mean, you let the play go out. I mean, I get when when there's four guys on him and he's being wrapped up. Yeah, you want to protect him. There was just one guy on him. But that's there was what's... a second guy coming, but he got the ball out. So I don't understand the call there. So really... Well, Ben's so hard to ref. Like, yeah, because so. I agree with you. They shouldn't have blown that dead for him. That's the thing you blow dead for a Brady or someone like that. But you don't blow a dead for Because ben. you don't expect you know Brady to get does. out of there. Yeah, you ben know can ben get does. out of there. And he did. He got the ball out. So... I, I still credit the offensive line with only allowing one sack. Sure, they the Bills got to Ben on that pressure. And I'll tell you that, on that play, Ben didn't go down. You know what I mean? No. Like, he was still upright when the whistle blew, so it, it didn't hurt his body at all. No, so. not at all. I, I, I only credit the offensive line without allowing one sack. Yes, there were other pressures throughout the day that were allowed, but still, I think in terms of protecting Ben – Hopefully they do better, but it wasn't, I think, as bad as some people are making it out to be. Correct. It was not a disaster. Um, One thing that was a little bit head-scratching was when Kendrick Green had to come out of the game. Mm -hmm. You know, I just think he needed a little bit of a reset, and I think it paid dividends later in that game. But Hassenhauer came in, and it's funny, one of the better run plays that they had in that game was with Hassenhauer in at center. I don't think that had anything to do with it, but just pure coincidence there. But, you know, it's it's – gonna be like that with these rookies Steelers Nation you know you're gonna see a Kendrick Green need to come off for a couple plays and be like hey just calm down let's let's go over what you're supposed to do you're kind of getting you're getting too ahead of your skis here Kendrick let's yeah take a breath and relax one play from Green just to 
you know, highlight a positive from him and then actually bring it back around to a negative at the very end. When Chase Claypool's end around happened, he was out in front of Chase running almost as fast as Chase was. The big problem there was, though, you got to get that block down on that defensive back big guy. I think the problem wasn't necessarily on Kendrick Green. It was on Chase Claypool not being patient enough. Incorrect. You Ke think so? Watch the play again. Okay. Kendrick Green had a chance to just mollywop that defensive back, and he kind of hesitated a little bit. And the guy I think he doesn't want to do move. a little chop block on him and get called for a penalty, but he had a chance to just push him into the dirt. And, yeah, Chase Claypool could have been a better runner of the football there as well. I'm not going to really crush Kendrick Green for that. I'm just saying in the future, you know, that ended up stalling out and turning into a field goal, whereas if you exactly. get that blocked down, that that's, was set, the that's issue six I points. Had. But the positive side of it, my God, someone that big should not be running that fast down the field. He'll learn to get those blocks down. Mm -hmm. He's going to be a problem on those end arounds if he can get out in front of a Chase Claypool like that. He's going to clear the way, and he's going to turn 15, 20-yarders into maybe a house call. That's something that Marquise Pouncey specialized in, and it's awesome to see that in the first game of his NFL career, Kendrick Green was doing Marquise Pouncey-like things. And I agree. I think this is easily a mistake that can be learned from. I don't think that Kendrick Green is going to say to himself, well, I can't be doing that. You know, I, I can let me run as fast as Chase Claypool is down the field, but I can't be blocking at the same time. No, I don't think he has that mentality at all. I think he's, he's going to go back and watch the tape and maybe – Take this opportunity to say, okay, this one play, even though I started off the play super strong and, and was able to lead the way for Chase, I have to finish strong as well and make that block. And I think someone like Kendrick Green is very capable of doing that, learning from that. Najee Harris struggled today, not of his own doing, though. There was just nothing going on mm -hmm. as far as holes to run through. He did have a nice little 18-yard run where he bounced it to the outside and put the Steelers in prominent scoring position uh late in the second half in that game but you saw how shifty and agile he is because even on plays where he couldn't really move anywhere he'd still get one or two yards by just making the first guy miss and then falling forward so i'm not going to write too much read too much into Najee's performance in this game 16 carries for i believe about 45 yards or something like that so not a good average per carry but again if you had watched the game you would have known that there was just no lanes for him to run through. And even the 45 yards that he was able to scratch out in this game were a, a, a testament to how athletic he is and how those first that first tackler is almost always going to miss him, no matter if it's in the backfield or 10 yards down the field. So not concerned about Najee Harris at all. And you know what? The Steelers coaching staff isn't concerned about him at all either. He played every single snap on the offensive side of the ball. Him and Ben Roethlisberger. That's it. That's it. That's unbelievable. And some offensive linemen. But those guys are expected to right. do that. Najee Harris as a rookie playing every single snap. Wow. I mean, you just don't want to give the ball to Benny Snell. And Kalen Balazs doesn't do anything as far as change of pace. When Tony Mack is back and healthy, hopefully by the Green Bay game, you'll probably see him get sprinkled in a little bit more. But because of his injury, Najee was just Mr. Everything, and he did not come off the field. So... Which is good. Uh, no, that's a confidence thing, and and the coaching staff has a lot of faith in him, even despite you know not a performance that's going to lead Sports Center for the next couple. No, of days. it certainly didn't. I mean, the first half we 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 keep talking about how different the offense looked in the first half compared to the second. First half, seven carries for eight yards. I mean, four carries in the first quarter, three carries in the second quarter. He only had nine carries in the second half in total, but a lot of that 
had to do with the fact that the Steelers were down by 10 points. And when any team is down by double-digit points, they're going to kind of stay away from the run. And especially when it's Ben Roethlisberger, someone who's very pass-happy, he's going to stay away from the run. Even though he has a guy like Najee Harris in his backfield. It was kind of disappointing, though, to see, from my perspective, how much they didn't go to the run game to start the football game. I mean, four carries, three carries in each of the first two quarters. That that, that should never happen again with the Steelers when you have a guy like Najee Well, they Harris. woke up in the second half. They did run the ball more. In they the did, half. and he had a great run uh, in that final drive that resulted in, in, the, in the Steelers' last field goal for them. He had, I think, a 15-yard run that got them almost down to the goal line. Again, one of those plays where you think you – you could have scored on that, and it's disappointing to walk away with only three points compared to seven. But still, good to see him end the day with that long 15-yard carry. Even though they didn't run the ball very effectively, and like you said in the first half, they kind of got away from it a little bit, at the end of the day, they did strike some semblance of balance. They passed the ball 32 times, and they ran the ball 21 times. So mm-hmm. that's probably about 65-35 split in the pass run, maybe closer to 60-40. I'd like to see that number get smaller and smaller. I think if, it, it if would not have go if in the Najee, direction of, of 60-40 in the run game. In the run game. And I think Najee would have gotten a lot more calls if he was getting lanes and he was gashing the Bills for big games. So in the future, expect even more runs. But at least even in a game where you had to pass the ball to win the game, you only did it 32 times, and you still tried to carry it 21. Whereas you look on the other sidelines, the Bills Josh ran Allen the ball threw- 25 times, and he threw it 51. 51 times. So that that was what the Steelers were last year, is 25 runs, 51 passes. 32 passes, 21 runs. I can live with that this year. Getting to Ben Roethlisberger's performance, man, that is why he's a Hall of Famer. No one will understand you know, what it takes to, to come back and win a game where you've struggled for the entirety of it unless you have that Hall of Fame pedigree. And Ben did not play well in this game. I think that that's a fair thing to say, but he didn't make the big mistakes. He said that in his post-game press conference. You know, the biggest thing that the offense did was they did not turn the ball over. That's Mm -hmm. huge when you protect the ball against an offense like that. He did throw that interception, got called back for holding, though. I mean, it definitely was. It definitely definitely was was holding. But just thank God for that holding call. And what I'm saying is, you know, Vintage Ben, that's why he's a Hall of Famer. He played like crap for the entirety of the game, and then he was able to turn it on, get points on the board for the offense, get the ball in the end zone to Deontay Johnson for the Steelers' touchdown uh, offensively. And that last drive to set up Boswell's Mm -hmm. field goal to go up by 10 points, that was vintage Ben Roethlisberger. He was slinging that rock around the field, and he put the Steelers in a position to ice the game exactly what they did on the road it's exactly what you need to do and again it's why he's a hall of famer he can stink for three quarters and then come alive in that second half in that fourth quarter and take your team to victory pull off that comeback win Mm -hmm. i mean i remember watching that game yesterday and thinking to myself on that final field goal drive, why are they not running the ball here? I mean, everyone in I think Pittsburgh that was probably a mistake, is screaming be, at their TV. How are you? What are you doing putting the ball in the air for a possible stoppage of the clock when you could just be handing the ball off to Najee and hopefully he's getting you some chunks of yards enough to get you a first down eventually? I think that was a mistake that worked. You know what I mean? Yeah, because yeah. Juju Smith-Schuster had a really nice 24-yard catch down the middle of the field to keep the ball in balance and keep the clock going. 
I mean, he had another place, he had another pass on that drive to Chase Claypool for 14 yards that kept the ball inbounds, kept the clock going, got another first down. I, I just remember hearing Billy make the calls and, and hearing that it was a it was a um shotgun snap on, on both of those passes to Juju and to um to Claypool, thinking why is he in the shotgun? I mean, why is this ball not being ran? Why is he not under center? Why is the ball not going to Najee? And then both of those times, I'm like, oh, no, he, it's going to be incomplete. It's going to be a third down, and this drive is going to be over, and then Buffalo is going to come back and score. That's not what happened. The ball got put in the hands of the receiver for a first down and bounced. And like I said earlier, when it mattered, they went to Najee Harris for a 15-yard carry that took him all the way down to, I think, like the four yes. or the five-yard line. And then, yes, you, you they did stall out a little bit there, but it's okay because they were in field goal position for an easy Boswell kick. Before we get into our standard stickers for the offensive side of the ball, one thing I'd like to see more of is the tight ends being used. Ebron had a big catch in the middle of the field. Fryermuth had a big catch in the middle of the field. I'd like to see some more scheming of the tight ends open. Those are two guys that I think are massive mismatches for a lot of teams because if you commit your best cover linebacker to cover Fryermuth, I mean – Good luck with a defensive back or your second best cover linebacker on Eric Ebron, mm. assuming Ebron catches the ball, of course. That might be your best defensive hope is that he just drops the ball. But I would love to see Canada scheme those two tight ends more into the game plan. Yeah. And maybe they wanted to against Buffalo, and Buffalo just did a really good job defending it. Milano and Edmonds are really good cover linebackers in the middle. But, yeah, I think Firemuth and Ebron, that's a mismatch nightmare going forward. Absolutely. My standard sticker on the offensive side of the ball – I'm going to give it to Chase Claypool. Uh, you took my pick, Tom. Oh, I'm sorry. You can give it to Chase Claypool, too. He can get two stickers from us because, again, Deontay had the most targets uh, and the most catches. Juju had the most yardage. But Chase Claypool had the biggest catches, the most mm -hmm. impactful ones. That Randy Moss of Tredavious White was just a highlight play that will be on Claypool's highlight for the rest of his career. Mm -hmm. And, again, that third down conversion catch that he had on the final drive to get right. Boswell in range for that 45-yard field goal. Just a massive, timely catch from Claypool. So, Claypool, I'm slapping my standard sticker on the back of your helmet. Yep, I'm doing the same thing. I think you could make the case for Juju for making that one play of, of, of two truck sticks back-to-back -back on, on defenders, and then again on that final drive, having that great 24-yard catch down the middle of the field to keep the drive alive. You could do the same for Deontay Johnson, making impactful catches, especially his incredible Hand control and then toe-dragging catch in the corner of the end zone. What a touchdown. I mean, again, we would be talking about that play a lot more had the Claypool catch not happened, had the, the block punt not happened on the very next drive. You'd be hearing a lot about that play a lot more, seeing it Agreed. a lot more, had the rest of the team just not looked equally as great. But I'm going to go Claypool here as well. Like we said at the beginning of this segment, or this episode, excuse me, Deontay Johnson looks like the will be looks like the guy that Ben's going to throw the ball to the most chase Claypool's the number one receiver though I mean mm -hmm. that those plays that especially the play on Tredavious White that that's plays that's, that's that are a, only made by number one mm -hmm. receivers around the league and honestly I think Ben views him that way too because it wasn't like a terrible underthrow where Claypool had to swim his way back and, and grab the ball over White Ben threw that up as a okay it's one-on-one -on -one coverage Jump ball time, Chase. And you only do that if you're going to your number one guys. So I think Chase Claypool will edge himself into that I'm a number one receiver category by the end of the year. One thing we got to bring up about our, our standard sticker guy, too. Good job drawing that pass interference late in the game, too, on that deep ball. On a third down, A little questionable call, obviously. 
but Claypool did a tremendous job of working his way back to the ball, and the Bills defender never turned his head. So it became an easy call for mm -hmm. the refs to make. So great job by Claypool to goat that guy into it and and draw that big P.I., big game from number 11 for the Steelers. That's going to do it for this episode of the Steelers Standard. Thanks, as always, for checking us out. You can check out some of our older stuff or any of our newer episodes at Steelers.com. And while you're there, hit subscribe to Apple and hit subscribe to Spotify. Double dip. I always love a double dip. Mm -hmm. We will be back talking to you on our next episode. But until then, for Jacob Recht, I'm Tom Offerman. Thank you, as always, for listening.